0: unselfish, compassionate and unconditional it is a love that picks us up and carries each and every one of us further than we could ever go on our own Jesus gives gives us his love so that we can give it away he told his disciples so now I'm giving you a new commandment love each other just as I have loved you You should love each other. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. Please join me today in this responsive reading as you together recite the words following the word all on the screen. Lord Jesus, bind us to you and to our brothers and sisters with divine love that only you can provide. May our hearts not May our souls not be deceived, nor our talents or minds enticed by allurements or error, so that we may never distance ourselves from your love. May we learn this morning to love our neighbors as ourselves, with strength, wisdom, and gentleness. With your help, you who are blessed through all of the ages. Our actions reflect Jesus to the world around each and every one of us. We need his love to be evident in our words, our actions, and as we interact with others, seek a graciousness that comes from God's spirit as we interact with those God places into our lives. In doing so, we leave behind footprints in the snow that will lead others to the love of God.
1: series, Footprints in the Snow, to remind you and some that may not have been here last week is based on one of our family traditions that we every year on my wife's side of the family have a treasure hunt and we hide clues. And one year the grandkids got out there and realized after fresh snow that they didn't need the clues. They only needed to follow the footprints in the snow and went right to the treasure. So the next year we stomped all over the yard. But That particular year, I was really struck by the fact that we are leaving footprints in the snow for the next generation. They're not permanent because none of us will be here permanently, and someday this may shock you, but you will be forgotten. You'll simply be someone on someone's family tree. But while we have the opportunity, particularly in this time of year, I think it's important that we leave footprints in the snow, And the story of Advent on this second week of Advent is a story of love. For God so loved the world. Come on. For God so loved the world. How many of you believe that to be true? That he gave his only begotten son. Well, it's been kind of interesting to do some research on the phrase after we started this on footprints in the snow. And there was a love song written about footprints in the snow Back in uh, 1946, Bill Monroe and his bluegrass boys recorded a song called Footprints in the Snow, and it went to number five on the Billboard chart that year. And I wanted you to be included in some of that bluegrass culture that some of you obviously are lacking in your experience, Pastor Kevin. It's been performed over the years by several artists in several different ways, and we found one that was performed in 2016 on the Prairie Home Companion with Garrison Keillor. How many even know what I'm talking about? Anybody? Garrison Keillor, all right, you're my kind of people. You know, Lake Wobegon is the place where you need to live, and so I wanted you to just hear this bluegrass love story based on the concept of footprints in the snow.
2: Like the summertime when they can walk about, strolling through the meadow green. It's pleasant, there's no doubt. But give me the wintertime when the snow's on the ground. For I found the winter snow's on the ground. I traced the little footprints in the snow.
0: I found the little footprints in the snow,
2: Lord. Missed that happy day when I. I found the winter snooze on the ground. Well, I allowed them to see there was a big round moon. My mother said she just stepped out, but would we'll be returning soon. I found the little footprints and traced them in the snow. I found the winter snooze on the ground. I traced the little footprints in the snow. I found a little footprints in the snow day, when lost her, I found when the snow was on the ground. Oh, now she's still in heaven, she's with the angel band. I know I'm going to meet her there in that promised land. But every time the snow falls, brings back memories. For so I found her when the snow on the ground. I've traced a little for in the store. I find-
1: Aren't you glad you came today? And then just, you know, I don't know about, that just puts me in the Christmas spirit. I don't know what to say to you. But the storyline is about a young man who wants to court a young lady, comes to see her and she's left the house, gone for a walk out in the woods in the snow. And she's gone out there and becomes disoriented. There's a third verse I'll read to you that wasn't in that gets disoriented and he's worried about her and so he follows her footprints and finds her and how pleased she is that somebody found her. Here's the verse that gets omitted. I called her, she saw me as we were walking home. She promised me that nevermore without me would she roam. I'm happy now for life for I've made her my wife whose footprints I trace plainly in the snow. So he finds her and And they get married and live uh, uh, happily ever after. And at the end of the song, he's writing the song after she has died after a long marriage together. Footprints in the snow. Isn't that wonderful? Isn't that great? Do you have a warm fuzzy now? Does that help you? But the idea of Advent is it is a love story. And it's a love story about the pursuit of the one that we should love. Footprints in the snow involves, as we talked about last week, preparation, being ready for the Lord to come. But this week, the idea is a pursuit, that love must be pursued. We talk about falling in love and falling out of love, and I reject that concept. I don't think you fall in love or fall in out of love. But rather, love is a journey, it's a pursuit, something that you engage in. And in Matthew chapter three, we find John the Baptist calling the people to prepare. The key word last week was preparation. But to prepare for what? for the coming of the Lord, and at the end of Matthew 3 in John's journey, he meets up with Jesus, and God speaks from heaven and says, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. So our calling is that same calling to pursue the one that we love, that Advent is about finding the one that God calls his beloved. So I want us to consider that journey this morning, what that means and what that looks like. And the first part of the journey on this pursuit of love is this, the pathway of love begins with repentance. The pathway of love begins with repentance. John is the forerunner of the Messiah. Think about the story of his birth. Zechariah and Elizabeth are elderly. They're, they've given up hope on ever having a son. But while Zechariah is in the temple and he is ministering at the altar of incense, An angel appears to him and says, you're going to have a child. Now, they're way past childbearing years. I've shared this story before, but it reminds me of a moment when I was pastoring in Ames. We had a young staff and we had an older retired minister on the staff. And one morning, I didn't know they were going to do this. One of the couples or one of the staff pastors went forward for his part of the service. And he said, and by the way, we have an announcement to make. Uh, we have a child on the way. We're expecting a child, and everyone applauded. And then another staff pastor departed part, he did his part. And he said, and uh, we want to also announce this morning that we have a, a baby on the way, and people applauded. And then this uh, pastor who's in his 70s is walking forward, and he said, I want to make it really clear this morning, we do not have an announcement to make. <laughs> so you can't blame Zachariah that he was... Um, Finding it difficult to believe. And he questions the angel, and the angel gives proof and says, You will not say another word till you name that baby John. Now, some of you wives might say that would have been an answer to prayer. <laughs> the months go by, the baby is born, they think that he'll be named Zachariah, and he's not. And when he writes out his name shall be called John, God gives him his speech back and listen to what the people say in that moment. I want you to listen to what their reaction was. They say, what then is this child going to be? They recognize the unusual nature of the moment that for nine months, Zachariah has not been able to speak. When he names him John, which was not a family name, and his voice is restored, there's a recognition that something is unique about this child. And Zechariah goes on to prophesy that this son would prepare the way for the Messiah. John's entire ministry was pointing to the one that he describes as the one coming after me. He's stripped of extravagant apparel. He's out in the wilderness wearing camel's hair and eating um, wild locusts and honey. And even that becomes a picture in and of itself. Because John says, this one coming after me will come bringing both the blessing of God and the judgment of God. And when you think about his diet, locusts were an emphasis or a picture in the Old Testament of the devouring judgment that would come. And where were they headed? They were headed to a land flowing with milk and honey. Both of those are included in his diet, that this one who had come would not necessarily just bring joy to everyone, but those who refused to respond, that refused to engage in submitting their lives to the Messiah would find themselves in a bad place, the place of judgment. It's the message that he preached. So his message was one of repentance. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand repent. Many came to him to be baptized. And I just want to interject this. I don't don't want to go into a lot of detail, but baptism by immersion was not uncommon in Jewish rituals. They had places for ceremonial washings that would involve them walking down into the water and walking up out of the water that looked very similar to what we use for baptismal tanks today. So that wasn't what was unknown, what was unusual was the message that he's preaching to the nation to repent, because the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Now think about that. They believe that they are the custodians of the kingdom of heaven. They believe they have it all together. They believe they have the answer. And John is saying, if you, who are the custodians of the things of the kingdom, are gonna be ready to meet the Messiah, you have to repent. So I wanna give you a different definition of repentance today. Is that all right? Thank you, seeing no objection. (laughs) We often picture repentance this way. Repentance is to stop sinning. And that's true. It's one dynamic. The word itself means to have a change of mind. It means you're walking one direction and you turn to the other direction. And I want to suggest to you that if we're going to respond to this call to pursue the one that God calls his beloved, this intentional pursuit of love, it's going to happen this way. Sometimes you have to repent of things that get in the way of the pursuit. But it's not sin, no, but it gets in the way of our pursuit. Hello? Paul talks about laying aside every weight and the sin that doth so easily beset. So let's get really practical here. Men who are married happily, how many of you had to give up something In order to pursue your beloved, (laughs) the rest of you aren't happily married. I'm just telling you; that's just a fact. You're just—you think you are, but she knows you're not. I'm just saying to you: You (laughs) you—you cannot live as a single man if you want to pursue a couple relationship. Come on, help me this morning. You have to give up some things that you were, what did you do? I repented of golfing every day. I repented of fill in the blank. I repented of what? Living for me. I repented of living for my interests. And I had to have a change of mind that my life is no longer about what I want and who I am and my goals. But now there is someone else, my beloved, the one that I love is now part of that equation. And if I'm going to pursue her, I have to repent of some other things. Is that making sense to you? Wives, the same. You say, thank you. I've done that all my life, and he hasn't noticed. There are things that you give up, that you repent from. So this morning, I'm going to call you to examine yourself and think about not what sins you need to repent of, but what things in your life are in the way of your pursuit of the Beloved. That needs repentance as well. To those who thought they were custodians of the kingdom, he's saying you're going to have to repent of your way of pursuing God and pursuing faith and turn from those things that are leading you the wrong direction. Second, this pathway of love rests on God's word. Matthew chapter 3, verse 3. What was Isaiah, or what was John the Baptist's ministry all about? The pathway of love rests on God's word. What does that mean? What John is doing. How many are still with me? I'm going to build blocks this morning. The pathway of love that John is preaching was not a creation of John's, it was part of the plan of God. Prophesied by Isaiah, that there would be a voice crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, and make His paths straight. that if we're going to pursue Him, we have to pursue Him in a Bible-based pursuit. Everything is rest on, rests on what God declares, and that is especially important with this word love. Because we live in a culture that has, I know this is Advent, and I'm supposed to be nice. So forgive me for this if you find this offensive. I'm sorry you were offended. We live in a culture that has not only um, sentimentalized the word love, but have perverted the word love to mean something The Bible doesn't say it means. We have created all kinds of definitions of love. And I'm going to suggest to you that that has even affected discipleship and worship among the people of God because we have sentimentalized it and we've created this soft cell of love that means if you love someone, you will approve of everything they do, you will support everything they do, you will always be on their side and no one's ever wrong. You won't speak about correction if you love them and churches get in trouble when they draw lines, and what are we told? You don't love people. Love is not the creation of human sentimentalism. Love is not about just giving gifts. Remember that Jesus would come to bring blessing and the fire of judgment. They're both included in that. We need a biblical definition of love in the pursuit of love. And the greatest concept I've read or definition I've read of love is simply saying, love is the commitment to the well-being of someone else. And if I'm committed to your well-being and you're going down a wrong road, if I love you, I'm not gonna stand by and endorse destructive behaviors I'm gonna call those behaviors out because I love you. And you can call me a hater, you can call me anything you wanna call me, but my definition of love is not defined by special interest groups in the political systems of America. My definition of love is defined by the word of God. And what did Jesus say? If you love me, worship, If you love me, sing. If you love me, cry. If you love me, smile. If you love me, dance. If you love me, treat everybody nice. No, he said, if you love me, keep my commandments. So then love of Jesus in this pursuit is word-based, which means if I love him, I'm going to do what he's asked me to do. There are a lot of things left to myself I wouldn't do. But my life changes when I respond because I love my wife. Come on. Have you ever been asked to do something? It was like, I don't want to do that. And if I were the only one here, the dishes on Monday can be done on Friday. I don't know, I can still shut the garbage closet door. It doesn't have to go out today. Is anyone in the house this morning? <laughs> I'm not suggesting that if you love your wife, you'll keep her commandments. That's not what I'm saying. I am saying that loving your spouse means that you live differently, and it's not measured by how you feel. I'm, listen, couples, couples, It doesn't matter if you feel like you love your wife or you love your husband when you get up in the morning. That doesn't even factor in. Love is a commitment to the well-being of another person, and I live my life based on that, not based on the sentimental emotionalism that drives most of our culture. And Jesus says, if you love me, keep my commandments. So this pursuit of love is word based. I get I get in trouble all the time because someone said, Well, you called somebody out, you called out this ministry, you said they were Yes, because I don't love public ministry that undermines biblical truth. Love means you'll speak to that because our love relationship is what? It's word based. Come on, it's driven by the word. It doesn't matter what I think. I get so tired of, well, I think. Do you know, I just wish I had freedom sometime to say to people, I don't give a rip what you think. (laughs) No, it seems like I might have said that. (laughs) What I care about is what does the word say? So this pursuit of love is word-based. The definitions are giving, given to us in Scripture. If you love me, keep my commandments. We have to have a biblical definition of love. What, is, what are the two great commandments? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. And that is absolutely true, and that has contained all the law and the prophets. But some of us have massaged that definition to miss the point that there are, there are road markers. There are definitions along the way that we need to follow. How important is this word-based pursuit? So, Pentecostals, can I talk to you about this love, word-based pursuit? Charismatics, charismaniacs, whatever you are. (laughs) Wise men in the East came looking for Jesus. Why? Because they saw a sign. Now, listen to me carefully. Seeing a sign began their journey but it couldn't get them to the manger the star disappeared Because they needed that worship of the king to be anchored not to supernatural signs but to the declaration of scripture. It got them close and they came into Jerusalem and they said, we have been following a star. Where is he that is born king of the Jews? And the leaders of the day said, well, that's easy. The Bible says that he will be born in Bethlehem of Judea. Once they anchored their journey back to the word of God, and now they're going to Bethlehem because the word of God declared it, then the star reappeared and they were filled with great joy. It's a word-based journey. It's a word-based journey. What does the word declare to us? It's not how we feel or what our emotions might say. It means, are we resting our pursuit on the word of God? So think about it that way. The pathway of love begins with repentance, turning away from those things that hinder your pursuit of the beloved. This pathway of love rests on the word of God. It's not measured by your definitions. It's measured by what the word of God says. The third component that John shows us is as validated by spiritual fruit. John was a hard preacher. He'd be voted out of every church in America. Because the powerful people showed up at church. They came to John to be baptized of him. Pharisees and Sadducees, who couldn't get along theologically, disagreed about the resurrection, disagreed about how Jewish faith should be Practice. they were in constant tension, but they both recognized that something unique was happening and they wanted to be part of a church that was exploding. Do you know there's more than church growth that measures what God is doing? Yes. There has to be a work of the spirit happening within that body that's changing lives. Amen. And so John saw that the Pharisees and Sadducees were coming for the wrong reason. A.W. Tozer said many years ago, listen to this, when a church adds to itself that which it cannot assimilate, it is diminished by its increase. What does that mean? What that means is when you have too broad a tent, more people make you weaker because you've diminished the purpose that the church exists for. It's not about getting more people in the door, it's about a pursuit of love that people want to engage in. How many are hearing what I'm saying? So when they come, I'm telling you what, John the Baptist didn't care. I guess if I were living in the desert, wearing camel hair, eating locusts and wild honey, I would be grouchy too. But I believe there was a fire of passion that was in his spirit. When he saw them coming, he said, you brood of vipers. Now just imagine that at the start of worship, there's a group of about 25 people that walk in here and want to check out Berean. And I walked to the platform and they're all sitting right over here, so I'm not talking to you. I'm just, I'm using this section as an example. And I walked over and said, You bunch of snakes, what are you doing here this morning? How many of you are not coming back next week? He might get this section next week. I mean, that was harsh. Who's warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Why are you here? What's in your heart? And he calls them out and he says to them, don't think you can say to yourselves, We have Abraham as our father. Don't think you can say, I'm Assemblies of God or I'm Methodist or I'm Baptist, because God can of these stones raise up children to Abraham. Judgment is going to come. So he says to them, You have to produce fruit in keeping with repentance. Because repentance isn't just a change of mind. It's a change of mind that results in a change of behavior. You've got to produce fruit. So I just feel like I, I get kind of freer when you don't respond. So if you want to rein me in, you got to respond. But the, the thrust, think of it this way, this, this fruit of repentance, he's saying, I don't care what you say i care if how you live backs up what you say do you want an example of that thank you i'll give you one (laughs) i trust the lord but i don't pay tithes you don't trust him come on you don't trust him Not really, that's at the core, that's a lack of trust. Do you want me to get more direct or is that good enough? (laughs) The, 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 (laughs) The point I'm trying to make is, you can say anything you want. I can say to my wife, I love you. And then if I treat her badly all through the day, we've got a problem because my words don't match how I live. I can tell my kids that they're the most important thing in my life and that I don't feed them biblical truth and I'm not engaged in their activities and they're they're a problem for me. I remember the dad who was a successful businessman and he was at home working and his son came in and said, dad, can I talk to you? And he said, look, I'm really busy, we'll talk another time. But dad, you always say that, I know, but I'm really busy and we'll talk another time. You mean the world to me, we'll talk another time. He said, dad, would you answer one question for me? Yes, what is that? He said, how much do you make? He said, why does that matter? He said, I'm just curious, how much you make? And so he told him an amount. He said, right now working, he said, I make about $150 an hour. If you, if you measured out my salary, it's about what I make. So the son said, okay, went out, and he started getting a bunch of odd jobs. And then he came back in to his dad, and he put $150 on the desk. And his dad said, what's this? He said, I want to buy an hour of your time. Saying I love you doesn't mean anything if it doesn't show in my behavior. So what evidence do you give that you really love Jesus? Is Jesus a spare tire or does Jesus need to take the wheel? In fact, I don't believe, I believe he should be driving the car. If I were to follow you, what fruit are you leaving for me to follow that you have a love relationship with Jesus? If I follow where you go, am I going to find myself at the manger, kneeling at, or or find myself at the house, worshiping the Christ child with gold, frankincense, and myrrh? Or am I going to find myself in the palace carrying out the slaughter of the innocents? What fruit are you leaving behind? What footprints are you leaving behind for another generation to follow? It's validated by spiritual fruit. What evidence is there that we're following him? We're to make straight the way of the Lord. Then last, this pathway of love, and I wanna wanna retrace it. Remember, it starts with repentance. It rests on God's word. It's validated by fruit. And it culminates in what? It culminates in submission. Well, that's hard. <laughs> I may as well just keep meddling. This has been so fun this morning. I, I love to hear men talk about how their wives need to be in submission and there's no evidence of them being in submission to anyone or anything. And to forget that the Bible also says, yea, all of you be subject one to another. Submission is a tough place to have to live. It means that you bend it to someone else's will. It means that you put yourself in a relationship that's not, that's not confrontational. So Jesus comes. This is an amazing part of the story. Jesus is about to launch into his public career. And he comes to John the Baptist and says, I need you to baptize me. And John says, Oh, not so. You're greater than I am. I need to be baptized of you. And listen to what Jesus says. Let it be so now. It is proper for us to do this to fulfill all righteousness. In other words, this moment isn't about who's greater and who's lesser, which is how we interpret submission. We have a moment that's not measured by what is the person or the individual's evaluation of what should be right. (coughs) Here's what Jesus is saying. John, you are ordained by God, to preach a baptism of repentance. You were the forerunner of the Messiah. And for me to step into my role and there to be a seamless transition from the baptism of John to the message of the Messiah, we have to fulfill all the purposes of God. And in this moment, when I submit myself to you to be baptized, I'm, I'm comment, uh, making commentary on the text there, and I'll show it to you in a moment. When I submit myself to being baptized of you, the mantle of the message will be transferred. It will be, he doesn't explain all this. This is what happens. It'll be an opportunity for that, that ministry to continue. How, where do you get that? I get it from this. He said it fulfills all righteousness, that the message will continue. And when Jesus was baptized, and when he came up out of the water, let me pause here. If you're born again, a child of God, and haven't been baptized in water and don't think you need to, you must be bigger than Jesus. Just think on that for a moment. It wasn't even part of my message. I don't know why I said that, but I hope it provoked some thought. It's at that moment that heaven opens, the Spirit of God descends like a dove, lands on Jesus, and there's a voice from heaven that says, this is my Son whom I love. In Him I am well pleased. When Jesus manifested an act of submission, God the Father said that submission is in the revelation of my will, and I want the whole world to know that if you're going to meet Jesus, You're going to have to come down that same pathway of submission to the will of God. This is my son whom I love. Lo, in the volume of the book, it's written about the Messiah. I come to do your will, O God. That's why he was here. So this pathway of love for all of us culminates in submission. That's how you get to the place where Jesus is. Mary and Joseph is clearly a love story interrupted. It's a love story about submission. And I want to take you there just for a moment to imagine what all was happening there. I don't know. We don't know the circumstances. It's hilarious to read about how Mary and Joseph met each other. He's an old widower. She's a young lady. They served together at times in the temple, and they were young people who fell in love. Their parents, nobody knows. But here's what I do know. Mary was a young woman was a virgin and an angel said you're gonna have a child without being in without interacting with another man that would have been a scandal in that day how so if you had a daughter who came home and said she's pregnant but she hadn't been with anybody you're gonna believe that right how many of you know? You, you've had sex education. You know how conception happens. Right? <laughs> and she said, be it unto me according to your word. God, whatever it costs me. If it costs me, Joseph. If it costs me, my reputation. If it costs me my future, if I become the laughing stock of the world, I am submitting to your will. Amen. Joseph hears about it and he doesn't want to. How do you know he loves her? Because he didn't want to make a public scandal or a spectacle of her and he's going to put her away privately because whoever she's been with, uh, the angel story is not working for Joseph. And then an angel says, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife because what is conceived in her is conceived by the Holy Spirit. Can you imagine what Joseph had to do with that? It means that their coming together is delayed. It means that all of their plans have been um, turned upside down And he's going to live with that same kind of question in people's minds. But what does Joseph do? He says, God, your will is more important to me than my reputation. A love story interrupted. We have Jesus today because Mary and Joseph were willing to submit to what was beyond their understanding. And I would declare to you this morning that you will never see the Christ child in his glory, in his revelation. You'll never find the one beloved of God. You'll never have a pursuit of love until you're willing to learn what real submission means. Submission to the will of God. It's a lifelong pursuit. It's a lifelong journey. Love and submission walk together. And I felt like God gave me a question to ask, and so I'm just going to ask it and then move on. Here's the question, Pastor Nathan, as you come. Here's the question I want you to ponder with me this morning. That while I was praying, I felt like God dropped in my heart that someone needs to hear this. And I'm not trying to be boastful, but this is a prophetic word for someone's life this morning, right now for you. What has God been asking you to do that you've been putting off and been unwilling to do? Your pursuit of the one God loves will never progress until you address what he's asked you to do that you've been unwilling to respond to. I don't know what it is. I don't know who you are. I just know how heavy that laid on my heart this week. Advent is about preparation. Advent is also about a pursuit. We're pursuing the one God loves. He should be the joy of our life. He should be everything about us to pursue the one that God said is my beloved. What is he asking of you?
0: What's getting in the way of
1: your pursuit? What's tripped you up? What have you been saying? I can't do that. Wouldn't this be a wonderful morning to repent of what impedes and submit to what He's revealed and meet Him at the Incarnation. Let's stand together.
2: Lovely are your dwelling places thirsty
1: preparation for this pursuit that involves you letting go of something just know that he's doing that for your good growing up and I heard this kind of in my spirit over worshiping growing up I heard all of my life don't ever tell God you won't do something because he'll make you do it let me tell you why that's so wrong that creates a perverse God who wants to make your life miserable here's what really happens When you say there's something you won't do, you've identified a place of rebellion. And by His Spirit, because He loves you, He will address that rebellion. But He's not about making you miserable. He's all about healing you and making you whole. So if He speaks to you, turn from anything that gets in the way of your pursuit of the one that God loves the beloved Son of God. Amen. If you love Jesus, let me hear your hands this morning. Thank you so much for your faithful support, your faithful giving. And I want to just challenge you to join me as we pursue the beloved Son of God. Amen. God bless you. Greet someone. Let them know you're glad they're here today.